Okay, as you know, I am spending a lot of time, as I told you about my kind of New Year's resolutions, what I'm doing going forward. A lot of time on the 24 election, of course, uh, bringing in candidates over the next uh, several months. Uh, and we got a special section on the website for everybody who's coming on. Everybody's welcome. Uh, you know, a lot of times in the years past, we get uh, the, the willing candidates and some just won't come on. Uh, it is what it is. So it's all good. Uh, but we're going to keep pushing on this and try to make the changes that need to happen in, in our state and in our country. Uh, and here's somebody that I know you're all familiar with because he spent a lot of time with us here on the program during the 2022 election cycle. He's served in the Arizona legislature. Uh, he also ran for Arizona secretary of state in the 2022 election. Uh, Mark Fincham. Mark, how you doing today? Uh, Jeff, I'm, I'm fantastic. Looking forward to a robust 2024. I know a lot of people don't say that, but uh, yeah, we, we got a lot of work to do. We Ro- got to push back against the, the Marxist ideology. Robust is a, that's a good word. I may steal that from you, Mark. We'll go with robust, hey, right? I mean, who knows, for you, man. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen with 24, <laughs> but it's definitely, we're at a critical point, uh, not only in our state, but within our nation, within our communities. It's just really gotten insane out there. Well, you are running for, uh, you want to get back down to the Arizona legislature, running for uh, Arizona Senate in Legislative District 1, which is correct. And, and let, let me have you define that district a little bit. I know it's largely Prescott area, Central Arizona. What's kind of the geography there and some of the notable, I guess, towns and communities? It's for the most part, almost, almost all of the Avapai County. So Cottonwood, Sedona, Verde Valley, um, obviously Prescott Valley, Prescott. Dewey Mayor, uh, I mean that, and then on up into the northeast and and, and southeast. Or, I'm sorry, northwest and southwest of the Avapai County. Okay. Um, Skull Valley includes that area as well, um, but we don't get up into Coconino County or over by Payson. That's uh, it's a totally different area. I think that's um, yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LD LD seven there. Another <laughs> really critical race there, which I'll yep. be spending a lot yep. of time on on as well. Um, so, and I have a lot of listeners in, in Prescott. Um, I, I know that this, there, there's currently an incumbent who you're running against. And, and when we were setting up this, uh, this meeting, I did something, this interview, I did something that I totally uh, rip people that they do. And I said, oh, you're, you're running for, um, and I, it's, it's Ken, Ken Bennett is currently uh, the mm-hmm. senator serving here. I said, you're running for Ken Bennett's seat. And as it came out of my mouth, I was like, that was a stupid thing to say because it's nobody's seat. You corrected me very quickly on that. It's the people's seat. Yep. Yep. And if the people don't feel that they're being served well by the person that they send, that's one of the reasons that we have these elections every two years. You know, why would you keep an employee um, that is not doing what you've asked them to do? Um, who is not serving your interests as well as they possibly can. So, yeah, I, I don't mean to be harsh about that, but that's something I believed in for a very long time. This, these seats belong to the people, and incumbency may have a certain amount of attraction, but it's only as good as your voting record. Yeah, and I, I agree with you 100% as far as it's no it's nobody's seat. And I, 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 like I said, grind on people who say that, oh, it's cinema's seat. You know, when we're talking about the U.S. Senate race that's coming up. Yeah, it's the people's yeah. seat. And it's just, it's just on loan for a little bit for people to do a job, hopefully do a good job, which they often don't, and then hopefully go back to the private sector and get back into something else, in my opinion. Well, why, I, you know, I don't, I don't like to get too much into, um, you know, 
this guy versus this guy or whatever. Um, but obviously you feel like there's shortcomings and you've already mentioned that when it comes to the current representation, because you know, you know you're a Republican, he's a Republican, you're challenging him for this seat. Right. Uh, I mean, what, what do you think, what are some of the big things that you want to bring that's different uh, to the district and to the seat? Yeah, my, my purpose in this, um, actually, I was recruited to run once I moved to Prescott. People, people are like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Um, you're living here now? Yeah. Um, I had fully intended to focus on a different aspect of life. And when folks found out that I had relocated up here, they're like, oh, man, we, we've got to have you run. You know, we're, we're upset that, you know, a couple million dollars was not brought back to Yavapai County, but was instead sent other places. And that's one of the things, you know, I don't like talking about individuals. What I, what I really want to do and in, in looking in the rearview mirror, what I really want to do is look forward. Uh, the battles that we have right now are immense. One of them is uh, governor Hobbs is going to attack ESAs. In fact, she came out <clears throat> basically with a pretty bold battle plan to essentially screw parents out of something that, um, the legislature over the years has built very carefully to see to it that kids that are trapped in failing government schools uh, that are being having a, a, a Marxist ideology, a Marxist dialectic shoved down their throat, um, really more of an indoctrination than education, that those parents and those kids have an escape valve, that they can get out of those schools and they can go to a school that more um, represents their individual value set. Um, and I think the thing that the, the left hates about ESAs is that parents can actually place their children in schools of faith so that they can have a faith-oriented education. Uh, a close friend of mine has her son going to a faith-based school after pulling him out of a just a soul-crushing uh, government school environment where he needed help, and he wasn't getting the help. So, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that Hobbs is trying to push down people's throats is we need to regulate ESAs like we do public schools. Well, wait a minute. Um, you you want to hold parents accountable. We've already got an audit system. In fact, uh, Superintendent of Public Education, uh, Tom Horn, uh, highlighted they've, they've already found in 2023 12,000 cases or 12,000 expenditures where the Department of Education said, mm, no, you're not going to be able to do that. That's that's not within the scope of the program. So for Hobbs to come out and say, well, we need more regulations. We need more oversight on, on ESAs. No, that's a red herring. What she wants to do is curtail the av availability of this tool to get children an education that will set them up for success. Now, when you look at some of the um, the numbers that are coming out of uh, graduation and performance in government schools, they're horrific. <laughs> they are not good. I mean, when you have, when you've got down in the teens and the twenties, a percent of kids that can read and do math. I mean, I'm talking to employers uh, both up here and, and um, uh, just all across the state. That was one of the things during the 2022 campaign for secretary of state. I had a lot of people ask me, well, you know, as, as a secretary of state, you're number two in line for the governor. Would you support ESAs? And I'm like, 100%. I would like to see the program expand so that anyone who has a child in public school, in a government school, 
has this available to them so that they are not trapped in a school that is not serving their students, their child's educational needs. So we've got that battle that we're going to have to fight. So that's, and let me, let me stop there. And Mark, uh, Mark, you were involved with, I think you were you still in the legislature when the ESA program was passed? Oh yeah. 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 I thought you were critical for eight years. We grew that program from just a tiny seed where we had a very small number of kids that qualified to now it's, it is perhaps one of the most popular programs. I would say it's one of the most popular programs that the state of Arizona offers in education. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And throughout the United States. I mean, people across the country, legislators in other states look at our program and they're going, God, I wish we had that. No, this is, this is a model, Mark. I just put up uh, yesterday and talk with Jeff.com, um, how Hobbs is trying to, and she, she hates, she hates uh, choice when it comes to your education, doesn't hate choice when it comes to um, uh, abortion and things like that. But when it comes to your kid's education, she absolutely hates that. And there's over yeah. 72,000 uh, students in the state now that are using the ESA program. You're talking to somebody here, and a lot of my listeners who left the public school system, especially during COVID, and my kids are in a, a private Christian school now, uh, we still right. utilize tax credits, but I can envision a time when we'll use the ESA program. Uh, does Katie Hobbs, and you served with her uh, in the legislature when you were down there as well, uh, does she have a problem with math? Because I keep hearing her say that this is going to bankrupt Arizona, and I, I'm not super smart here, Mark, or anything. Um, I can take a crayon and, and draw on the back of a napkin and do the math that the ESA program costs about seven grand per kid. And you know, it's costing about 13 grand to keep them in the public school. What's she talking about? Yeah. But that's, I think that that is called um, common core math. <laughs> and if, if it works so well for her, perhaps she should just leave her hands off of our kids. Yeah. I think that that is the, that's the underlying message, you know, and this, this whole point of, of school choice, keep in mind that if only 13% of parents are sending their kids to a, an ESA or a, a charter school that, you know, is receiving um, like ACSTO and those programs. That means that over 80% of kids and parents have chosen to stay in the government school. Okay. Well, we already have school choice. I would advocate that we see to it that the, we have a balance between you brought up least expensive alternative. Yeah, well, okay, so whose ox is getting gored there? That would be the teachers' union and the school systems that never seem to have quite enough money. Now, I think, uh, you know, and it's been said by a number of my colleagues before, I don't think you have a tax problem. You have a spending problem. It's how you're spending your money. It's the things, you know, most of the parents that, want to get away from government schools, want to get away from them because of the indoctrination of this this insane ideology where America is vilified and we, we just, we get these people that are coming in teaching things that just are not true. In fact, oh, this yeah. is an interesting, you brought up COVID. I've talked to so many parents that said, you know, I, I, I kind of am glad in a perverse way that our kids were sent home for homeschooling on computers because for the first time I could actually hear what they were being taught. And they were and I shocked. I got parents that are absolutely shocked and outraged at some of the things that their kids were being spoken to about. Now, I've, so, I've had plenty we, of parents on Mark say the same thing. You know, that yeah, they were so we shocked. Got that battle. Okay. But so we've got another one that's yeah, perhaps go even more important. 
Um, and I know that education is one of the foundation stones of, of society, but so are elections. And we've got uh, the guy who was awarded the secretary of state seat. I mean, we're pretty confident that look after we see what happened in Maricopa County and the, the refusal of the courts to consider the mountain of evidence that that election was a fraud. Um, you know, we got guys like Adrian Fontes. We knew that he was going to do this. That's one of the reasons why I was running on the on the notion that I would just hold people accountable to follow the law. Well, now Adrian Fontes wants to take the election procedure manual and usurp the authority of the legislature and try to make new law as an executive branch officer. We can't stand for that. Well, back up and, a second. What's the election procedure manual? Is this for all of the precincts or all the counties, something they're supposed to follow statewide, yeah, uniformly? It's, um, yes, it's the rule book, if okay. you will. Um, the elections procedure manual is, is a regulatory framework that tells all 15 counties, um, according to law, Title 16, if folks want to, it's, kind of a boring read, but if they want to go to the um, azledge.gov, they can look up Title 16, which is the title for all election law. The election procedure manual essentially is an instruction book on how to comply with the law. So, for example, mail-in ballots. These are the steps that you need to follow for chain of custody. These are the things that you need to comply with in order to comply with state law. So that's what the regulatory framework of the of the EPM, the Election Procedure Manual, is is all about. Okay. Well, what Katie Hobbs tried to do as Secretary of State in 2019 uh, for the 2021 version of that manual, it was soundly rejected. I think like 261 or 216 changes that she tried to make in that manual were all by fiat. They were not legislation. They were not, and, and keep in mind, the whole point of the manual is to, in furtherance of legislation, you can't write new law. You can simply explain how to comply with the existing law. Well, they're, the they're, an, they're, an exec, they're an executive. They're not the, the, the legislature. That's right. They're okay. not legislative. I, I, remember, I remember that, something in that in public school when I, when I went a few yeah. years back. <laughs> well, you might have gone a few years back because they don't teach the three branches of oh, government okay. anymore. Okay. Apparently not, or math. But. So we now have this rogue Secretary of State who is attempting, I think at last count it's 271 changes in the election procedure manual, which by the way, because Katie Hobbs had so many things that were wrong, the last election was held on the 2019 version of that manual. Some of the laws that were noted in that manual don't even exist now. Mm. That's how out of date it was. So the new secretary of state or the occupant of that office took it upon himself to try and write new law. And it looks like both the House and Senate are going to come against him and file suit to block the things that he's put into this manual that are nothing more than fiat. They are an attempt to write law as an executive branch officer. Now, uh, I think one of the best statements that I saw in the notice to uh, the secretary of state's office is comes from a case of uh, involving uh, former Senator Leach. Uh, I think it was Leach v. Hobbs, where it said, look, regulations are, do not have the, have the authority of law unless they are in furtherance of the law. Okay. And what he's done, he's not in furtherance of the law. He's, made, he's trying to make new law. So that is going to be, want to talk about a robust battle, 
Yeah, that that so, one's going to be a toughie. That one's going to be a court a court fight. You 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 see a legal battle coming between um, the oh, legislature yeah. and, and the governor's office on this. That is just as plain as day. Okay, and then one of the things that I think that we need the third thing that's on Mark's Mark's hit list is, and this kind of goes with local control. Um, we need to get the judiciary to answer some pretty tough questions. Like, for example, if you're going to dismiss a case without even hearing the case for lack of standing, okay, you're not doing your job. You're, we hired you as a judge to hear cases. And if you're going to dismiss all the cases on lack of standing, perhaps we need to cut your budget because you're not doing the work. Um, can, you give an exa- can you give an example? Does this go back to the 2022 election? Well, cases that were dismissed because somebody, the wrong person filed suit. Well, the last time I checked under the 14th Amendment, we have a right to equal protection under the laws. That means if you're a registered voter in this state and you're filing a suit having to do with an election law challenge, you have standing because it affects you. But there is this this work throughout the judiciary and supported by the bar which, by the way, the bar is trying to uh, eviscerate any attorney. They're trying to disbar every attorney who would dare to represent an America First candidate. Wow. So now you're shutting down equal access to the courts. It's not just about equal access or equal protection under the laws. Now it's about equal access to the courts. So I think that uh, a close examination of judicial behavior uh, is going to have to be made uh, throughout this coming legislative session and probably okay. into the next few years, which is part remain. It, it, remember, that's going to be part of the second half of Hobbs's administration. So controlling legislative or I'm sorry, judicial activities through the budget. I mean, that's the only the legislature has the purse strings. And if the judiciary is not going to do uh, what the legislature asks, which is just follow the law. Again, here comes that statement. We just want you to follow the law. Don't make new law. Just follow the law. Um, there's going to be a battle there with the judiciary between them and the, and the uh, legislature as well. And then I think the last thing that we've got to pay close attention to is yeah, let, let, control. Let's hit on that and, and, and some more. Um, we're, we're talking with Mark Fincham, who's running for uh, the Arizona Senate for Legislative District 1, largely the Prescott area, but other areas as well and throughout Yavapai and other counties uh, too. Um, and Mark's hit on, you know, the three things. Three, one of the things is education. That's that's super important to so many people listening, but so is the election. Um, you brought up a new one when it comes to um, the judges um, going forward and hearing cases. What about when we, we, first of all, the budget is a big, big issue that you deal with, obviously in the legislature, uh, usually in the wee hours of the morning, unfortunately. Um, I've been warning about this for years. You may have been on the program with me when you were down there and I was saying, Hey, we're growing this thing too much. We're, the, the budget's getting too big. I mean, last time we were up to 18 billion, we grew under, under, um, Ducey and under Republican leadership, we grew from 9 billion to 18 billion over what an eight, 10 year period. Um, now we're talking about budget shortfalls and I'm like, wait a second, a shortfall. We grew the thing so much. What do you, what do you see coming with the budget? Do we shrink it back well, down? I, do you shrink it back down? Run with that. Cause we got a spending problem in this country. Yeah, we don't have a taxation problem. We have a spending problem. 
And, you know, I, I go back to what are the fundamentals of state government? There are three things that state government has responsibility for. One is public safety, which is police, fire, the courts, prisons. One is education, K through 12, all the way up into the university. And then the third is transportation, roads, infrastructure, bridges, um, that kind of work. Things that are outside of those three, why is the state government engaged in that work? That is not our charge. Our charge is to protect the general welfare through those three avenues of state action. Now, keep in mind that the counties have a different function. The municipalities have a different function. And each one of us, different levels of government, address different areas of concern. So I'm very concerned that we are probably, we're we're finally getting that place that I warned about five years ago, six years ago. And that is the economy has been juiced, uh, an industry term of, Uh, let's pump a lot of money into this thing. We use the same language, Mark. (laughs) I know exactly what you're Uh, saying. The economy has been juiced by all of this so-called, quote, COVID money and the money that was being sent by the federal government to the state of Arizona and other states. And at the time, you know, I objected to it um, vociferously that we need to close the door on this COVID money. And the executive at the time, um, Governor Ducey, (laughs) excuse me, basically said, well, if we close that door, if we close the door on COVID and say that it's over, we'll lose access to all that money. And it's like, well, okay, wait a minute. You do understand the whole idea of um, a trillion-dollar deficit, right? There's a reason that when I retired as a police officer in 1999, silver could be had for between ten and ten and twelve dollars an ounce. Oh yeah. Today it's twenty-four dollars. $20, Twenty-four, twenty-five. Yep. Now most people don't understand. Oh, it's it's worth a lot more. <laughs> no, it means the paper is worth a lot less. It takes more paper to buy the same intrinsic value asset than it did in 1999. So I think we're probably going to face a budget deficit. Um, I'm going to peg it at about $500 million. That means that there are going to be services that are offered by the state that are likely going to have to be reduced or eliminated. That's what happens when you run out of money. So we have to go back to core services I know transportation is huge in Yavapai County. I mean, there are stretches of 69 that I, I mystifies me why money wasn't brought to Yavapai County uh, in this last budget to get that get those roads. Yeah, yeah I've hit the potholes yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, all yeah, over northern was, all over northern Arizona, yeah. Mark. It's forgotten well, that about. money was sent to other counties. It was yeah. sent to other legislative districts. So, you know, and then I look at uh, the Secretary of State's office got like $2 2 2.1 for enhanced security. Okay, wait a minute. That office has already been shut off to public access. You now have to have a guard escort to go to the seventh floor Mm. to file paperwork, to uh, address the Secretary of State's office on all manner of things that uh, Secretary of State's office needed to have. Uh, needed action on for, to serve the public. It's like the, King, okay, so, the King's Castle. <laughs> yeah, kind of like. 
So it, it reminds me of, there's a passage in a book that I know people have heard me talk about this a lot before, and I highly recommend it. It's called The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates, um, written by a guy, last name of Thuella. You can get it on Amazon, and it's either Kindle, you can get an electronic book or the, the, the written book. Okay. Chapter 12, paragraph 2. Dionysus is walking the streets of Syracuse, and Plato asks him, with, he's surrounded by guards and protection. What harm have you done to the people that you would require so much protection? Mm. That is a commentary on today's government at the federal level, all the, all the way, way to down. Local. To all the way to level. local. Mark, all the way to local. Mark, I've been to county offices that were open before COVID. They never reopened. You have to buzz in if you're lucky, if you can even get in there. I'm like, yeah. wh- who are these people serving at this point? Who are these people serving? And I think so many people are um, – just put off so much in this country uh, because they do not feel like they're being represented anymore. And uh, it's a, it's a level of of frustration. That's I hope doesn't reach a a boiling point. You hear all the murmurs out there about where this country may go in the next uh, 12 months or so. Where where do you think Arizona will go in the next uh, 12? Where do you think we'll be sitting 12 months from now? Your prediction as far as, and I hate to get into the blue, red, purple, but I mean, does Arizona go the way of, of New Mexico, Colorado, or do you think we'll swing solidly oh. back to uh, our conservative roots? God, I pray not. Um, I think that, um, so this 2022 election was such a fraud that it, in a way, it kind of gives me a little bit of encouragement because we know, even the court knows, but they just can't bring themselves to admit it, that we had over 300,000 ballots that were counted that never should have been. Think about that number. The, you know, the claim was that, that Kerry lost by what? 11,000, 17,000 votes, over 300,000 ballots that were counted that should not have been either with missing signatures on the mail-in ballot or with signatures that obviously were not the right person. Those are not permissible under law. Yet the court, allow that to, to persist. The only way to fix an irredeemably flawed election is to hold a new election. Yet the court could not bring itself to admit what happened. Of course, it's also now no longer rumor, it's fact, there's what, 16 judges who have had ethics complaints filed against them because their names appeared on the very ballots that they were issuing court orders to silence. So unless we have a change in the judicial climate, I've got some concerns, but I'm glad that people right now are fired up. I think we're going to see a record number of votes, perhaps as many as another million, maybe million two individuals voting in this next election. Now, hopefully we will see um, people cleaning, uh, the, cleansing the voter rolls, which is required under federal law. Don't let county officials tell you, uh, oh, well, we can't take people off the voters. Actually, you're required under um, the Help America Vote Act and Voting Rights Act. You're required to do that. So don't give us that. After how long? Of inactivity, Uh, I presume. Well, at the federal level, I mean, you have to be a qualified elector under state law. That means if you no longer live in an address, you don't have the right to vote from that address. It's a pretty simple concept. So, um, you know, I've endorsed President Trump 
and I'm, I'm very open about that. I believe that um, 70% of America will vote for Donald J. Trump. Um, I think that we are going to see a preservation of the legislature. It's going to be close, but I think we will continue to see a Republican legislature in both the House and the Senate. Um, one of the big reasons for that is we've been so, the legislature, in spite of all of its warts and foibles, still is conservatively focused on, and when I say conservative, it's to conserve resources. You know, when I was in the legislature, we built up billion-dollar surpluses because we knew that the day would come that an irresponsible spendthrift would spend us into oblivion. And we had to have a means to be able to protect the state and everybody here with that. The rainy day fund you're referring to. I hate the term, but I know. it's our but emergency it's, contingency it, it, fund. It's, it's, it's starting to rain a bit. <laughs> you know, and by and it's, summer it's going to be a full full fledged downpour. Yeah, so that it concerns so, me greatly. Um, all right, Mark, we're we're just about out of time. Do you think these are the? I mean, education I know is a core issue that it's fired up a lot of the moms in this country, quite frankly, and dads too. But moms kind of became activated, especially after COVID. Um, you mentioned um, plenty of other issues as well. Um, but do you think that the issues you're hitting on are going to fire people up um, when you're, you're dealing with inflation, you're dealing with high housing costs in the state? I sense that the Democrats are going to push hard for some kind of government solution when it comes to housing and, and the costs, even though they've caused a lot of these problems, in my opinion. Do you think that your message will, will resonate? Because I've had a hard time over the years telling people, hey, we got a debt problem. We got a, you know, this problem that's being caused uh, by this government action. And if we do this, this is going to be the result. But it's been hard to get traction, in my opinion, because myself and, and you and many others are often competing with people who are, are thrown out in big air quotes here. I'm putting it free stuff uh, and solutions. Yeah. And it's hard when you come out and you honestly put out, Hey, here's the real problem. And, and, and it's hard to get traction, Mark. Well, I think people are starting to um, feel the pain. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, this is something that goes all the way back to 1776 and, you know, our revolutionary war days. But until folks actually feel it, it's not real to them. Now, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, but the, the level of inflation now is significantly degrading individuals' lives. And it's like, okay, why is inflation so bad? Well, it's because we've got these clowns in Congress, and I would even say a few clowns in state government, who seem to think that the taxpayer um, well is endless. Government doesn't create jobs. Government robs wealth from the people to redistribute it. We must never forget that. And when, we, when I talk about local control, I'm talking about protecting property, property rights, water rights. We've, we've got a federal government now that wants to reach its hand down into local government at the zoning level and force multi-unit housing into um, residential, single-family residence neighborhoods for equity and inclusion. Mm. Okay, wait, wait a minute. We already have a zoning board. Well, the federal government wants to take that over. In fact, the National Association of Realtors has been fighting that battle for quite a while. I think that one of the things that we've got um, some, some good protection with in LD1, um, Michelle 
uh, Virgil, the uh, county um, recorder here. Okay. She's been diligent about trying to keep the voter rolls as clean as they can be, about causing her office on elections to adhere to processes that are within the law. So at least in LD1, uh, I think that we're going to have um, a, a transparent and secure election that's going to be fair when it comes to the counting of the vote. Um, that's that's one of the things yeah. I'm, I'm very pleased about here in LD1. And, and you need that strong local governance, um, and we need to get back to states' rights, obviously, as well. Um, okay, Mark, hey, I appreciate the time. Um, I'll look forward to well, getting you, you back on as the election cycle continues to heat up and we get closer and closer to that August primary. Uh, Mark Fincham running for Legislative District 1, the Senate seat uh, in the primary coming up. Hey, Mark, we'll talk with you soon. Appreciate it. VoteFincham.com. Thanks for watching this video. Thank you to uh, everyone listening on the podcast as well. Do me a favor right now. Please subscribe. I appreciate everybody that's doing it. Subscribe, 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 and share with your friends. If you've already done that, leave a comment. That helps us out a lot, and we'll see you back here real soon.